Welcome everyone for another episode of the Embrace Fertility podcast slash YouTube channel. Welcome everybody. Today I have a real treat for you. We're back doing a fertility expert interview series and today is my good friend Robin Birkin. She is coming to talk to us about, wait for a little drum roll, why meditation is not a fix all. <gasps> Going to be a good one for that would get your attention. So a little bit about Robin. She went through infertility herself and after having numerous IUIs, IVS cycles, and a devastating miscarriage went on to have her two girls. She talks about how she became fascinated in the mind-body link, how it helped her on her own journey to come to this place of peace, and how she now helps women across the globe with emotional support. Her Fertility Warriors podcast has had half a million downloads. So if you have not listened, go and listen. It is amazing. She's going to be talking to us here today. And then we have an invitation for you for her free event, which is coming up next weekend, the Feel Good Weekend, which I am taking part in. It's completely free, a whole weekend retreat online. It's going to be good. So keep listening. Welcome, welcome, Robin, to the podcast. I am so excited that we are in a in a space, even though it's online together. We have been planning to do this podcast for just over 12 months and due to the time difference and family commitments, etc. It's happening now and it's going to be a good one. Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. And I even think as well us practicing what we preach to our clients in saying let's have boundaries between things and let's practice self-care it's taken us a while we've given ourselves lots of grace but we are here now <laughs> it's happening and um talk to us about yes. what you're going to talk to us today so today i wanted to jump on and fly the flag and let everyone know that Meditation is not necessarily the cure-all. <gasps> talk about what might be better than meditation. Dun, dun, dun. Very excited when you suggested this topic and I was like, yes, that is what we should be talking about today. Love it. So could you just give us a little rundown of how you got to work into this field and your own infertility journey? Yes. And I'm going to try and condense this into like five minutes because I could spend the whole podcast just talking about my story. But it was exactly 10 years ago that my husband and I, we got back from this whirlwind trip around the world. We had Christmas in Paris, New Year's Eve in New York. And I so call me a stereotype, but I was like, career, check. You know, buy a house, check. Two rescue cats, check. Round the world holiday, check. Should we have a baby? And I'm this, I don't know that high achiever is how I call myself, but I am the person who likes the checklists. I want to, you know, do things by the book. So we decided we're going to try and get pregnant. We're going to have a baby. Fine, I'm going to go to a naturopath. I'm going to get it on this preconception plan. I'm going to go visit my doctor for preliminary tests. 
I was like, I'm going to, this is going to be a walk in the park and we're going to get pregnant. Well, it came as a huge shock to me that we didn't get pregnant on the first month. And it was kind of this feeling of, oh, that's weird. I did everything I was supposed to do. This should, this is the formula. I followed it. It should work. And second month, third month, honestly, by six months, and I say this to people all the time, if you're a nervous wreck by six months, I was too. Six months, I was distraught. I was like, what have I done wrong? Something's not right. There's something seriously wrong. And then obviously you have to continue trying to conceive. Valentine's Day, the following year, we're at a fertility clinic. First appointment. <laughs> what a date. A year later, after doing IUIs, et cetera, we're doing our first IVF cycle. And so this was two years now after we started trying to conceive. And I was, I usually say that people in terms of IVF are in two camps. One camp is terrified. This is such a big step. Are you sure we can't just get pregnant naturally? But the other group of people, which was me, are like, throw, give, throw the book at me. Just give me whatever you've got. I'll take what, all of it. And I want it now. Why can't I do this sooner? Uh, and there's just, all, there was all the waiting and we actually were almost like referred or the specialist said, you know, you're going to need IVF, I think around like October, November, but we couldn't do it till like ages later because we had to go through this one single counselling session, which I'll talk about in a minute, plus, you know, like an information session. Dude, I'd already been trying to conceive for two years and I'm a type A. I already knew everything you were going to tell me in that session. And thank you for giving me a counseling session two years after I needed it. <laughs> um, so I had this single counseling session, like bless her cotton socks. She helped me zero. Um, and she said things like, so just keep busy. And I was like, really? And gave me a handout and after two years of trying to conceive, feeling completely distraught, we went into our first IVF cycle and I had always subscribed to the belief that I must be strong and I must power through and, like, don't show your weak emotions, right? You know, be strong, power, do, you know, do this. So anyway, first IVF cycle and I got pregnant I had a moderate case of hyperstimulation. So I, at the time, only weighed about 54 kilograms and I had seven kilos of fluid around my, like, in my oh. abdominal cavity. So I was, I was hyperstimmed, but we were pregnant. So yay, until we were told that the pregnancy wasn't viable. And it was kind of like this very fragile house of cards that I had built of trying to be strong, trying to power through, keeping my head down and being like, just give it all I've got. Once I get pregnant, it'll all be fine. It was this like fragile house of cards. It just crumbled. Um, and I thought I'd known rock bottom before. Like I'd had the months of crying on the bedroom floor. I had times when like this one time, I'll never forget, I walked into a supermarket and completely unbeknownst to me, saw this acquaintance who years later had said to me she was never going to have kids and it was almost like in the back of my mind I had this belief that at least if I can't get pregnant she won't have kids as well and then I walked into the supermarket and right at the point where I was about to be like hey 
like to turn around, you know, and say hi. She turned around, she was eight months pregnant. Oh. And you know those moments that it just like it hits you and you have it, it's the least thing you're expecting. Yeah. Racing home, like just collapsing in the bedroom. And I kind of thought, I was like, oh, you know, whatever, I can do this. But at that moment that I found out the pregnancy wasn't viable, it was too much. Like I actually couldn't cope at that point. I, I find if I have to do IVF, I'll do IVF. If I have to have hyperstimulation, which was actually like still to this day, one of the shittiest physical like ailments I've ever had. Two things, fine. Three things. If I thought I'd known rock bottom, I now knew like molten lava core of the earth. (laughs) And it was at this point that, and I didn't really know what to do. I wasn't coping. And we took this very last minute trip to Lombok in Indonesia to a surf camp that literally was just next to a traditional village. There was no shopping. It's not like Bali. where there was shops and big resort and this and that. It was like a surf camp. There was, we didn't even have aircon in the room or even hot water. <laughs> and there was nothing for me to do other than for the very first time in my life actually address the scary feelings and thoughts that I was having. Wow. <laughs> like how many of us just try to bury it all the time and here I was I like I literally couldn't do anything other than it my husband was off surfing that's how he dealt with it so I was there just sat there like oh this really sucks and I my progesterone was like 70 times the normal amount of what it should have been and so that massive crash in hormones had my hair falling out in massive chunks. I lost two-thirds of my hair in that, like, come down from the miscarriage. So I was in this resort feeling my feelings and actually for the first time feeling like I could breathe because I didn't have everyone around me asking me, did, was it, did it succeed or did it fail? You know, what's next? When are you going to do another IVF cycle? Oh, I had someone say to me, have you finished grieving your miscarriage yet? And I was like, Oh, like I can't. I want to swear, but I don't know if we're allowed on this podcast. Oh, you can go ahead. Oh, really? Because I was like, "Fuck off!" Like, and she should have known better because she had losses before. But every loss affects everyone differently. So here I was. Anyway, this massive moment. Then had this kind of epiphany as well that I was I crashed back into the present moment right? Instead of being stuck in the past of what had happened and also stuck in the future of what may never happen and therefore am I going to be a 60-year-old woman rocking in the corner with no purpose to her life because she had no kids? Instead of being stuck in those two things, I was thrust into the present moment because we had this traditional village. It was the only thing near us for miles and they had no shoes. They bathed in like a communal lake in the all together in the middle of the town and they all just slept it was like they slept in a one-room concrete floor house so I was like okay actually hang on this this is what's going on and this cacophony of different things happened that triggered me saying actually I'm not coping 
And actually, this is not how I want to continue on with my journey. If I'm going to have, if I'm going to keep going at this, I'm not, I'm going to do it differently to the way that I did it. And so it was this real process of like, you know what, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. Um, and I was very blessed to, at the time I had a vegan food blog. Sorry, I know this is longer than five minutes. At the time I had oh, a I vegan food blog, right? So hippie dippy, like had this vegan food blog and had all these natural new age friends who also had like health and wellness staff uh, and things like that. So I was able to kind of lean on them for what are you doing? And I was in this group with them and like incredible people, like a brain care therapist, a neurological main, um, music therapist, really intelligent people who, you know, and so I have all these little bits and pieces, clinical psychologists in this group of my wellness friends. And so I was like, right, let's, you know, fix this. Anyway, long story, one day, just because after years I've worked in marketing, someone says to me, you should start a podcast. And just being generally naive, I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, and this is before podcasts were a thing. Yeah, I was just like, what's a podcast? Cool, okay. Um, next minute, I was training as a life coach and a mind-body practitioner because the emotional stuff and how different I felt mind-boggling and still fascinating to me and I and I only at the time of that and I'll talk in a minute about what that change was the radicalness of that change was really dramatic and so fast forward only about three months later so I'd been on this trip to Longbark we'd gone through another IVF cycle and I have this memory of being in an Indian restaurant with a friend and to her saying to me, truly, how are you going? We were stood outside after dinner and I was rubbing my belly and I was like, you know what? It's going to pan out. If it doesn't pan out, I know that my life's still going to be awesome. <laughs> and I just feel really confident and really peaceful and really calm in this. And I know that there's so many people out there who are like, oh, like, you know, and then I just got pregnant and it was all like rosy and we all skipped through a field. Well, actually, I didn't. That IVF cycle failed. And then I needed another retrieval, et cetera, et cetera. But I still felt that way. Yeah. So, you know, fast forward, I trained. Here I am today. <laughs> <laughs> and how many children do you have, Robin? I have That's two. Everyone's going one do. Yeah, so I now have two. So we ended up then going through another retrieval and having, a, like, obviously another transfer and that worked. And then from that same retrieval, two years later, we had our little, our little Elsa freezer baby called Olivia. So same egg retrieval, different times that they've come to be. Yeah. Complete opposites. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love people coming on and sharing their stories because it's so it's so beautiful and so inspiring for people to hear like like everything because so often we just get the like and then so and so did like did treatment they got pregnant or this happened and they got pregnant and it's like there's all the years of all the stuff before that so I think it's so lovely to hear and that that shift that you experienced that like just 
just suddenly like everything just drops in and you're like nothing nothing has changed on the outside I'm still not pregnant I'm still going through treatment I'm still having unsuccessful cycles but I feel different and that is what I think it's the thing when you when you experience that like you said you were then fascinated and you were like I think I need to just change my career and and do this for a living it's because it's so life changing for you that you it can't then just be oh this is just what I read about in my in my spare time it suddenly becomes like yeah dedicate myself to learning about this yeah and I've had you know time and time again shit's happened in my life like (laughs) things happen my second child Olivia her birth was by and large very traumatic however I came out of that experience with just this overwhelming sense of gratitude and you know every nurse every doctor walking into that room was like how are you so okay with everything that's just happened and I attribute it to this consistent practice now of you know healing my emotions working on my mental health and my emotional well-being consistently (laughs) and that's the trick isn't it it's like it's not a for most of the time it's not about you do something once and then you go oh I feel great now and then you just put that down and you don't come back to it until something else shitty happens talk to us about so you're talking today about how meditation is not the fix all so let's talk a little bit to start with about how meditation can very much be well with many different mind-body techniques can it works for someone and then they put it on this pedestal and everyone is like meditate and your life was really amazing and then you do it and fuck all happens and then you feel like the divide between the people that this has been amazing for and you is John Munger so let's talk a little bit about that and yeah yeah so I love meditation okay so we do like a weekly meditation in the reset and it's a guided meditation I love many different types of meditation so I love guided meditations for something really quick and easy. Sometimes I'll do a walking meditation and I love doing a type of meditation called Ziva Technique. Interesting story. I once actually learned to meditate with monks in Japan. Not my favourite type of meditation. It was very like your lips should be almost touching but not touching. Your tongue should be (laughs) almost touching the roof of your mouth but not touching. Your fingers should be almost touching each other, but not touching. It was just the ultimate feat of concentration and like, oh my God, I'm going to fail at this. Um, But I like practicing something called Ziva meditation. But here's, and here's the thing, it's almost like, particularly fertility specialists and things like that, I'm really stressed by infertility, try meditation, right? As if meditation is going to magically fix maybe I'll just drop right in and there's two things that I want to say about that number one to there are many many benefits to meditation in the context of the types of people who we work with I find that it's primarily helpful as part of a mindfulness practice it is it's not meditation like on its own on a pedestal as the, the once all thing that can help people um, and I can t- and I'll talk in a moment about 
other things that can help mindfulness. Because the other thing that I want to talk about is, and there's many reasons why meditation might not work for someone. They might not, they might struggle to breathe through their nose, like the simplest things. It might just fill them with complete guilt because they can't fit it into their daily routine, no matter how hard they try, right? But significantly, this is what nobody talks about, which I want to fly the flag for. Research has shown that about 25% of people, in 25% of people, it can actually bring up more anxiety, unpleasant, particularly unpleasant experiences. People who have experienced trauma, it can start to reactivate that trauma response in their body. So where in terms of the by and large, one of the biggest benefits of uh, emotional wellness for infertility and for supporting and optimizing your fertility is in helping your body remain in homeostasis, like a state of balance, right? And a state of calm. But if meditation is actually triggering your body to feel like it's really unsafe, which so it was a study by the University College of London. There's subsequent studies, I think, from Germany, Slovenia, that consistently show. So like a quarter of people actually feel, and it not, and this is beyond just your mind wanders or your mind races, okay? They're actually fairly normal things that happen in meditation. This is people who have particularly unpleasant experiences are going to be, by and large, hearing this message everywhere, meditation's a cure-all, like it's a fix-all for your infertility stress, actually it makes me feel <laughs> horrible. Where am I failing? So I'm here to say to everyone, meditation's not the fix-all. And I also talk about, and I love a mindfulness practice, but you know what is even better in my mind? And the thing that helped me more was something called, and this is, I, I give this a broad definition, metacognition. Tell us all about it. So my definition of metacognition is essentially an understanding of your brain and how it works and an, an understanding of self, right? Like really just this heightened self-awareness what is going on in my brain? Um, so, and I'll give you some examples uh, as well. But the thing I love about understanding your brain and why it does what it does is because sometimes just understanding why your brain is having those thoughts, you, when you start to realise that, it doesn't hold any power over you. The monster has no teeth. But what I love even more is it's kind of passive. <laughs> yeah. Once you know, you know. Yeah, it's like. And yeah, and the more that you're, and then it's like an instant thing. Your brain has a thought. You're like, you know, I don't, I don't need to believe this thought. I don't need to give this power, this thought power or any weight. And the more you practice not giving those thoughts power or weight, um, then it's really easy to do. It takes no time. It's not a thing that you have to do all the time. So that's why I love it. It's because it's passive. It's no, it's no like do this for 20 minutes or do this for an hour. And it's it's once you have that knowledge as well, you can't, it's like there are things we learn in life. And once we learn them, you can never, you know, you can never unlearn it. You're like, correct. 
you, you find something out and then like it's just it's burned onto your brain and this is something that's like that it's like you once you understand it and I think it's you can learn about it logically and then the first time you you like you said you have that something's bothering you and then you consciously go but that's just that's not a thought I don't need to you know I don't need to jump on the back of that and go with it and you feel the relief you're like oh I just I just did that and then it's about reminding yourself again and again that that is the case because it can be something really small that we're worried about or it can be something jamungus but it's the same principle it really is and the more that it the more that we just become conscious of it which it doesn't take a lot to doesn't take a lot of effort to be conscious of it the more or the less power our thoughts have over us so i'll give you an example of one of the things that our brain does okay so this is the way that our brain evolved our brains evolved to always look out for what could go wrong and what is the worst case scenario. So if you are listening or watching to this and you're like, why does my brain keep saying, like, why do I have negative thoughts? Why does my brain keep telling me that this might not work? Like, why does my brain do that? Why do I keep thinking about stuff like this, right? I'm here to tell you that if you have, your brain thinks just like your heart beats, it's involuntary. So if, if you think and if you have negative thoughts, congratulations, you are a living and live human being. Yeah. <laughs> so number one is a check. Your brain is designed to do that. And so when we were cavemen walking along, you know, the desert, whatever, the canyons, and we'd be walking along, one of us would be like, oh, my God, is that a mountain lion, Right. And every single time we, you know, they'd go for a walk and they'd think they'd see a mountain lion, their brain would think the worst case scenario, oh my God, I've got to run or I'm going to get eaten. They'd, you know, run back to camp. A few minutes later, false alarm. It was just a beige rock, right? <laughs> 999 times out of a thousand, it was a beige rock. But the thing is, there was one time out of a thousand, it was a mountain lion that was like totally getting ready to pounce you and kill you. So your brain would rather essentially keep you in a state of constant anxiety <laughs> about what could go wrong, what is the worst case scenario, rather than have you get killed by a mountain lion and be like, eh, it's just a beige rock, but there's that one time that it was actually a mountain lion, right? So as a human species, we wouldn't have survived if our brains you know, weren't, think like Moira from Schitt's Creek. If your brain wasn't super dramatic about things, right, <laughs> like just overly dramatic, then as a species we would not have reached reproductive age and we'd have died. So just knowing that it's normal for my brain to have thoughts, it's actually also normal for my brain to think in terms of the worst-case scenario, right, but in actual fact, nine, like so number one, this is 2022, many of the things we experience and many of the scenarios when our body starts to panic, it's actually not life or death. So just knowing that mm, I don't need to panic 
about this scenario, but then also understanding that, like, that's just what our brain is designed to do, but it doesn't mean that it's a fact. Just because I'm scared that that, like, it's okay for me to be scared that that might be a lion, but just because I'm scared doesn't mean it is a lion. Yeah. Just because I am, I can worry about things, that actually doesn't make it more likely to come true. And I think sometimes when there's this movie like The Secret, people get a bit worried that that is the case, that if I think it, it's going to come true. But a big thing that people miss is actually when we manifest and, you know, all that woo-woo stuff, it's actually a core part which is talking about aligned action. So we can actually, all of these, you know, we can we can be on the woo-woo side or we can be on the scientific side that, you know, you want to get food, but you're too scared that it's a mountain lion all the time. So your worry stops you from going out to actually get food. So therefore, if you call it manifestation, whatever you want, you didn't manifest food because you were actually too scared to take the action to get food, right? So when we look at our lives, it, you know, sometimes our worry can influence the decisions that we make, but the more we can call out our brain and be like, it's not really a mountain lion, or this is fear masquerading as a fact and give it no power, the less, you know, less power it has over us and the more we don't care about the thoughts that our brain has. That's one example. And that's what's so important, isn't it, is is realising that there's so much that we we have thoughts and we really do believe them and we really are like this is now what's happening and it feels so real and what we imagine feels so real and I think it's saying they say like using fear is like using your imagination and like to the to the wrong use basically because every time you're imagining like all these things that could go wrong and you're putting so much tension and stress in your body imagining what you don't want to happen but we're designed to do that, to work out what can I do to protect myself from all these yes. things. So say, for example, if you're like scared to go into fertility treatment, instead of going, oh, I feel really scared. Therefore, because I was doing that whole thing of going, I, I have such a negative reaction. I was one of those people that was like, yes. I will do everything in the world to get pregnant naturally, so not to do treatment. But then I was telling myself, I feel so negatively about treatment I shouldn't do it. Whereas mm. actually, when I work through well, what I'm actually actually scared of, well, yeah, I'm scared of because of my endometriosis, you know, getting cysts and, you know, basically reacting badly um, to the hormones. Like, when I actually educated myself on, well, this is the case, the clinic know I've got endometriosis, they're going to do extra scans. They're going to be checking in with me. They're going to be, when you get that education, so you can use your fear as like a little messenger going, eh, 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 and you're like, okay, do I actually need to action that? Or is it just, I'm petrified of something because I don't understand it. You can start to work with it and go, let's really look at, do I need to go down that track? Or is this just something I don't need to be thinking about? Exactly. And our brain is like, there's so many things that our brain does. Um, So we have reticular activating system. Our brain is receiving something ridiculous, like 11 million bits of information per second and 40 make it through to our consciousness. So our brain is like, this is not going to work. The hormones are going to get the best of you, even though there might be this wealth of evidence out there 
right? Again, you don't have to believe everything your brain tells you. We can question it back. Like, is it actually a fact that my body's not going to respond well to the hormones? Is it actually a fact that, you know, all shit's going to hit the fan with my endometriosis, right? When we can question our brains rather than being like, oh, yeah, don't do that. It's guaranteed. Yeah. Then we have this ability. We have the, all of a sudden our power back because we, you know, like know who's in charge. It's me. It's not necessarily this brain that does all of these things. And again, our brain filters information based on our beliefs, based on our subconscious fears, all of these things, but it does it in what it thinks is our best interest. Um, but, you know, when we look at this negative bias that we have, when we look at the reticular activating system, like something ridiculous like 80% of the thoughts that we have are negative yeah. and 95% of them are the exact same thought as yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So it gives us something to do. It just doesn't always get us anywhere. Uh, and also 79% of research, a study showed that 79% of the, the, this worst case scenario things that people were worried about Oh no, even more, 85% of the things that people were worried about never came true. Yeah. So 80% of what, you know, 80% of what occupied someone's brain was worries. 95% of it, same as yesterday, but actually 85% of it just actually never happened. Yeah. It's so redundant. Uh, and so when we start to look at met, like our emotional wellness through infertility as a whole, we can start to say, we can look at meditation as one tiny piece. So if meditation doesn't work for you, this is your big permission slip to do other things. Um, so meditation is one part of mindfulness. The other, I'll talk about mindfulness next, but the other parts are, number one, metacognition. It's passive. Once you understand your brain, you don't, you don't have to actively do a lot in terms of your daily routine. It's really easy. The next Big thing that I recommend is mates having a real support network um, but then the next thing is mindfulness so meditation is one form of mindfulness but as we've discussed for some people it's really tricky and it can feel really uncomfortable it can feel really unsafe it's not what we want um, so something else that works really well for many people mindfulness is like being in the present moment without judgment how can you get out of what's happened in the past so for me it was the miscarriage that I've had and how sucky that was and then translating into how absolutely terrified I was of going through that again and feeling like I didn't have the skills to cope I was stuck in the past I was stuck in the future mindfulness is bringing us back to this the current moment, what's actually going on around us right now in our lives right now. So meditation is one way to do that. Another way that I love gratitude. Uh, this and gratitude was actually something that I started before I started meditating. And all I would do is every night I'd write three different things that I was grateful for. I would try to think not just of the same things. I would think of different things every time, like the tiniest little things I could think of. I was really grateful because my coffee was hot this morning. 
I was grateful because I heard this particular song on the radio. I was grateful because I had a good car park at work. Tiny, little, the most tiniest little things. And what happens then when we practice that is it brings us very much into the present moment. It takes all of five minutes a day, but we start to be really conscious of what is happening in front of us right now, in this moment, in every moment of the day. What, what is that? Because I need to find three things to put on this yeah. bloody list, right? <laughs> what do I like? But we also start to reframe things like that negative bias. What could go wrong? Well, actually, I'm training my brain, right? Just because my brain has evolved this way, it's super normal. I can actually do this little thing called gratitude practice that can start to shift that uh, and almost like counteract that and look at what could go right or what is going right. Uh, consistently bring myself into these present moments. Research has shown all different types of people, Vietnam vets, 9-11 survivors, those who can see the things that are working and the things that are good in their life alongside the shitty things that have happened and the shitty things that are happening have much lower rates of PTSD. Um, and then when we look at gratitude as well, you know, better immunity, 10% happier. <laughs> There's even an app called 10%. And I'm like, I know where that study's from. Mm -hmm. um, all of these different benefits that also come along with gratitude. Um, but there's so many different things we can do to be really mindful of in the moment, even if it is sitting at the traffic lights and taking a moment to just focus on the flickering light of the person in the car in front of us. The don't involve meditation. <laughs> and that's, that's what's so beautiful is you're talking about retraining the mind and it's something that's so simple that like you said, 95% of the thoughts are the same. So once over a few days and a couple of weeks, it then becomes a habit and it becomes the norm. And like you said, you're literally going like, oh, literally your brain is going, I need something to be grateful, something to be grateful for because at bedtime, I'm going to be asking my brain, what are you grateful for? And also that practice at the end of the day of looking back through the day. And a lot of the time is we're in the habit of looking through the day and going, what was the crappiest moment of today? And we remember yeah. all the crappiest bits. Whereas actually, if you're yeah. forcing your mind to go, what are the three highlights? Even if even if your whole day was really low like this, there will be three of the highest points, even if they were literally yes. yeah, they're like the tiniest thing. You know, even like sometimes you think it's you think that you've used the last dishwasher tablet and then you find one more and you're like, you know, it's like sometimes they can be so tiny but when you're training your mind to go what are they you scan mm. the whole day for the good instead yeah. of bad yeah and that negative bias in our brain like you can go through the whole day at work you can have 10 people love what you are doing at work you can receive compliments you can finish all your projects and then you get this one like comment from your boss so I once had a boss say to me you're too enthusiastic, like a bull in a china shop, and it's stuck, right? So this is this negative bias. Some negative experiences have this ability to stick um, to us, and they're so much more impactful. So how can we actually start to dismantle that? The first one is knowing that that's what your brain is going to do. They're like, really? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. But then also having, you know, this mindfulness practice and, you know, all of these easy things that we can do and layering this multi, uh, I guess, faceted approach uh, with different things that can make the most profound difference. I love it. I love it. And hopefully people listening are really realizing that it's it's about experimenting and seeing what's right for you and also realizing that what might be right for you you know in two months time might might not be right now or what you know was right two months ago will change so trying things and not going meditation didn't work throw that out like traditional meditation yeah yeah, like when I'm expected to sit still and I'm like as you notice on the video I'm like (laughs) body doesn't like to be still so for me you know, yoga nidra, totally flat, knee supported with a pillow, eye mask, body, that I can do, but I, the sitting meditation, too much mm. of a midget, but also like I said, walking meditation, guided visualization, gratitude, just thinking about your thoughts, being aware of what your thoughts are doing. There are all these different things that can have mm. such an impact, a profound impact on how you, yeah. you try on different things. And talking about different things to try, tell us about the amazing weekend that we have going on next weekend, Robin. I'm beyond excited. I And I know that people always say, you know, on podcasts, and stuff, I'm really excited, but I am. So I had this thought in my head. So hopefully if you've been listening today, you will know that you know, I don't always do things or say things that are the same things that everybody else said. And I had this thought to just create an event where we weren't going to talk about like optimizing fertility or getting pregnant. How about we just say it's big enough on its own that infertility is really stressful and really hard. So what if we created an entire weekend of incredible people? So yourself, amazing incredible people from across the globe experts all coming together to say do you know what we get we just want to support people we're not here to spruik like get pregnant now do this we're not going to talk about diets we're not going to talk about you know like adding 12 things to your to-do list we're actually all going to give you meaty actionable practical tools to feel better so it's called the feel better weekend it's a very literal uh, title we have more than 20 guest experts um, and we have what is it 21 presentations from all things such as how to uh, I think recover from pregnancy loss how to conquer the two-week weight gentle reframes for infertility lots of brainy stuff because that's what I love to talk about so more than 20 presentations decluttering your mind as well as three yoga flows, as well as three meditations. So meditation is still incredible for some. Um, One of the meditations that I particularly love that people in my program particularly love is called Calm in the Storm. The best part is we're doing it all for free. free. So it's the 18th to the 20th of February. Tickets are free. Naomi is going to include a link for you in her show notes so you can just click below on your podcast player and you'll go straight there and it's going to be I feel like it's the event of 2022 that you don't want to miss when research shows that 76% of women 
with infertility show significant symptoms of anxiety. 39% show meet the criteria for major depressive disorder. This is needed and it is enough to be like, you know what, this weekend is about me. And whether you want to come to all of them, whether you want to just pick and choose a couple, it's free. So it's an incredible event. It's virtual. Everyone's from across the globe. So show notes, everybody. Oh, and it's going to be on the lineup you've got of people coming. I just, it's amazing that it's obviously online, but I so wish it was like on retreat in Bali. I was like, next year, let's get yes. people you've got and we just invite we just invite everyone because I just imagine like the chat in the bar at the end of the day would just be amazing could you imagine and okay. <laughs> I you know I was expecting lots of people to be like no I can't no I'm busy and just all of my favorite people in the fertility world were like I'm so down for this so I'm like, whoa, it's going to be amazing. And all of the topics that everyone's chosen, honestly, what a group of badasses. Fantastic. And if people are listening to this after the 18th of February 2020, how can they um, get in touch with you, follow you, connect with you? So my website, my Instagram handle is at Robin Birkin, R-O-B-Y-N. B-I-R-K-I-N. One of my, some of my biggest Google searches are people typing all sorts of different things for my name. So I'm at Robin Birkin. Um, you can find me there, but you can also find me on The Fertility Warriors, which is a podcast. We've got about 185 episodes now. I don't know how that happened, but it's very exciting. So there's pretty much something for everyone. And I have a program called The Reset. It's like a monthly membership. And we go through lots of emotional stuff, lots of brainy stuff. And we have, you know, meditation as part of our mindfulness technique for those who it work for. Fantastic. Robin, it has been lovely to spend time with you. And I look forward to um, seeing everyone virtually next weekend for the Feel Good Weekend. Yay. Thank you, everyone, for having me. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then please do subscribe so you will be the first to know when an episode goes live. And I would absolutely love it if you could share it with anyone you think may benefit. And please do leave me a review. The more people that leave me the reviews, the more other people know what this podcast is about, what they can expect, and why they should be listening. That would be absolutely fantastic. And please do come and join my mailing list. Just come to Embrace for fertility.co.uk I'm here in the UK everyone and then you will see a massive button that says stress less freebies press that and you will get the first chapter of my upcoming book where I share all of the studies between stress and fertility and really get into the truth of that you're then going to get your three minute reset button mp3 the heart anchor gratitude exercise and the emotions game so go to embracefertility.co.uk and then hop over to instagram and follow me at embrace fertility